Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Facebook's pre-election charm offensive and how a new technology that lets us get out of stores faster is also costing us more money. But first, the midterms. We are just two and a half weeks away from going to the ballot box. And while we don't yet know if Democrats will take control of Congress, we do know that they will have raised the most money ever to try. The Washington Post reports that Democratic candidates have raised over $1 billion this cycle. That's about 30% more than the Republicans have raised and also tops the previous record set by Republicans in 2012 by around $100 million. And just for a bit more context, Beto O'Rourke, the Democratic candidate for Senate in Texas, trying to unseat Ted Cruz, raised $38 million just last quarter. Yeah, just in three months. And that's more than Jeb Bush raised for his entire presidential campaign. The big question now then is, will it matter? Back in 2012, it certainly did. That's when Republicans, fueled by the Tea Party, took the gavel back from Nancy Pelosi. And certainly, every campaign needs money to pay for staff and data and doorknob hangers. But a big difference between 2012 and today is digital media, and specifically how candidates share their messages and biographies. Six years ago, even though obviously everybody was on the internet, television was still considered king. Today, though, a smart candidate would rather create a viral YouTube clip with millions of people intentionally clicking to watch rather than run into a bathroom during commercials of their favorite show. Now, remember, Donald Trump spent way less than Hillary Clinton during the presidential campaign, and part of that was all the free media Trump got for being reliably outrageous, but another part was that dollars can just go a lot farther now than they used to. So all politicians claim they hate fundraising. In fact, it's the first thing they'll say they dislike about the job when they ask. And all voters claim they hate how politicians are beholden to those from whom they've raised funds. So if the money map and the electoral map are very different come November 7th, then perhaps we could actually start to see a shift in how candidates view campaign contributions. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this and all things DC and midterms with Axios executive editor Mike Allen. But first, this. There's more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios Executive Editor Mike Allen. So, Mike, let's talk a bit about money and money in the midterms. So Democrats have raised this crazy amount, more than any party or congressional candidates, more than any party ever has before. Is it going to be a deciding factor in any of these races? It's not, but it's a proxy. It's a tell. So if you look at the amazing amount of money that Beto O'Rourke raised in Texas as he takes on Republican Ted Cruz, no one could spend that amount of money. And it's a very, you talk about first world problems. A very I'll take belt- your challenge, by the way. If, if you <laughs> want to give me that money, I'll make it work. A very picture those people uh, filling the shopping carts in the, the shopping marathons. A very beltway problem is like, how would you possibly spend that much money? There's not that much airtime. But as you well know, Dan, it connotes excitement. It connotes momentum. And momentum matters in life, in politics, in sports. Democrats have it in a big way. 
does it connote momentum because we, and when I say we, kind of the press views it that way, or does it really? And I guess in the sense of if Beto O'Rourke loses and he's down in all the polls, and I understand he is outperforming what a Democratic Senate candidate normally would do in Texas, but if he loses by eight, nine, ten points, how do you then look at that massive haul? Yeah, no, and that could well happen. And here is a secret for your listeners. The Republican governor is on the ballot in Texas. Very popular. He is going to lift all boats. That's kind of Ted Cruz's insurance policy. And when Senator Cruz was just a couple points up, and he should have been a lot of points up, I was thinking to myself, you know, the blue wave could well take him out. Like the very definition of a wave is that unexpected things happen. Things happen that we don't expect. A senator, a bit of a work for sure, would be that. Now that this race is normalized a little bit, and uh, Steve Kornacki on MSNBC said it in a great way. He said, Texas is Texas. And I think that'll be the headline on election night. We've been talking, and when I say we, I mean, kind of everybody has been talking about this blue wave for months and months and months. Is there any serious risk that all the talk of a blue wave is going to cause some of that blue wave to stay home because, well, they don't need my vote. They're winning the House. Well, sure. And we could just be wrong. Uh, That's happened in pretty recent uh, (laughs) political uh, history. Anybody who uh, says that they couldn't be wrong is a dope uh, after 2016. But here's the way that I look at it. Republicans can't give you a path to them keeping the House. Like my first uh, newspaper job was the Fredericksburg Freelance Star, an hour south of D.C., and I covered two rural counties, including uh, King George County, and I covered Sheriff Buddy Jackson's campaign. And I learned in my first year as a newspaper reporter, if a candidate can't give you their best case for how they're going to win, they ain't going to. And it's just like a startup that can't give you their best case for their, how they're going to do their raise. Like, you've got to have a best case. And Republicans are not particularly optimistic about holding the House, can't like point you to how they would do that. Just as optimistic Democrats are about having a Speaker Pelosi in the House, they would consider that a restoration. She'll get the gavel back. Your colleague Jim Vandehyde disagreed with this the other day, but I was curious. Well, then he's right. Well, then he's right. For Pelosi, long term, and, and if she cares about Democratic rule of the House, would it be smarter for her to just say, I'm not going to be Speaker? So they to take that off the table. It's irrelevant. She ain't going to. And I didn't ask if it was she was going to. Would it be smarter of her to do it? What I can say about speaker policy is I think the media next couple weeks, I think we'll hear a lot of hype and some drama about, oh, like, is she going to get the speakership? Like all these people who are running for office have said that they won't vote for her if they're elected to the House. Here's why we're confident that she will be elected. And despite Jim's other erroneous points, he was right about this. And that is that if Democrats get the House as expected and projected, It'll be on a wave of women voters and first-time women candidates. And you have this women's wave coming in. They're not going to deny the speakership to Speaker Pelosi. The big uh, political and kind of geopolitical story this week has been Saudi Arabia and Jamal Khashoggi. And and we've covered that a bunch on this podcast. Just electorally speaking, does that have, do you think, any impact one way or the other on this election? So it sure could. And in these news cycles, you never know how long something's going to last. This sure looks like a transcendent story, right? And the CNN quoted a senior advisor to the president as saying that how he handles this is the most consequential decision of his presidency so far. And the idea there was that it touches so much. It touches gas prices. It touches America's moral authority. It touches our Middle East strategy. And that's why there's been so much surprise about the way that the president has played this, that you always preserve 
the president's options, right? In past administrations, that was always the byword. Here, he went all in for a soft response, for a wait-and-see response, for a slowing-things-down response. And I can tell you that even people close to him are surprised. Axios reported that in that all-smiles meeting that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo uh, had with the crown prince, when the cameras were off, that there was a tougher message. He said that uh, he told the crown prince, you need to own this problem. You need to take care of this investigation in 72 hours. Like this isn't going to go away. And the kingdom's place on the world stage is at risk. Interesting. Interesting. Speaking of the kingdom breaking, just as we've been talking, uh, CNN report, and this is more on the business side, but Kareem, which is the Uber of uh, of the Middle East, and which also Uber was theoretically in talks to buy, has just raised $200 million from a Saudi prince. So clearly they're, they're making their bets there. Well, well Mike, they're making more friends, right? Like they sent, they took care of a big obligation to the U.S. Right, Dan, this is your wheelhouse. There will be. I, and I we don't really know, and particularly in Silicon Valley, and we've talked about this, how particularly something like SoftBank, which you know has $45 billion of Saudi money, are they going to keep getting deals done? They want to buy WeWork. Are they going to be allowed to? We'll see. And I don't mean regulatory-wise, although you know th- that would be nice to have some government view here. Just simply, are companies going to take their money in the U.S.? Or, or is this just a short-term issue that will blow over? We need to get you some breaking news music. Thank you to Mike Allen, Axios Executive Editor. My final two on Facebook's new charm offensive and the new form of tipping, which has everybody a little uncomfortable. Right after this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two, and let's stick in D.C. for the first one, as Facebook is stepping up its efforts to convince politicians that it is prepared for the midterms and won't allow a recurrence of the kind of election meddling that occurred in 2016. Axios' David McCabe has the details this morning on the site, detailing hundreds of one-on-one briefings with House and Senate staffers, Facebook distributing a six-page pamphlet all over Capitol Hill, and also holding four information sessions in its Washington office. The bottom line? Facebook is still under investigation for 2016, but this is its big chance for a do-over, and there might not be any other organization outside of the White House with more at stake in the midterms. Finally, there's a great piece in the Wall Street Journal by Jennifer Levitz, focused on all those tablet-based credit card readers you see at coffee shops and food trucks and other small retailers. Now, a lot of them use software from Square, which is Jack Dorsey's other non-Twitter company, which gives these companies and stores tipping options. And it becomes super awkward because A, a lot of people don't think the tip for their morning muffin or cup of coffee, and B, the worker is usually just a foot or two in front of you, often staring at you, waiting for you to move so they can help the next customer. It's one thing to not put a buck or a quarter in a tip jar, but quite another to actually hit no tip with the person who you're not tipping seeing that happen. The bottom line, an increase in tips for counter workers and an increase in discomfort for everyone. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great National Chocolate Cupcake Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.